I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What's your part in God's plan? Do you know? It's a tough question. Last Sunday was Mother's Day, and I made a huge mistake of playing a game of catch with my 19 and 17 year old varsity athlete boys. And when I challenged the smaller one for a ball, all six foot one of him came down elbow first on my face. <laughs> That's after it was cleaned up. It was, it was bad news, it was bad news. And as I worked to stop the gushing blood coming out of my face, I said, you know, I've always wondered how plausible it was for action movie heroes to take a bat to the face and just keep on fighting. And if I had that in me, well, I feel like I have my answer now. What's the answer? No, I don't. I do, I do not have it. I would have given up, surrendered all the secret mysteries that I had. But boy, that is true because shared experiences, those shared experiences make stories relatable. And relatable stories make things feel believable, you know, what we call real, right, true. So the question is really this morning, do you relate to the Bible stories in that real, personal experience kind of way? Because that right there is the goal, that's what we're aiming for. That is what makes them moving and memorable, when you can really just relate to them in that personal way. When my my daughter, I'll tell you, now this was, my, my daughter Hannah just prayed up here. She did a great job and that was wonderful. My not so praying this morning daughter who's still at home. <laughs> Parker, when she was younger, the only bedtime stories that truly held her attention were the ones with heroines who were coincidentally just like her. Surprisingly, somehow they all had similar likes and dislikes situations and circumstances, and when dad was real tired, they had the same name. <laughs> because the truth is this, the closer to the characters that we feel, the more absorbed in the story we will be. Because here's the truth, nothing grabs our attention like ourselves. It's true, we're self-centered little rascals, ain't we? It's true though, that's who we are. But listen, that might just be by design. That might be on purpose because by nature, we're all the star of the story. And even though we are born that confused character, remember I showed you this the other week, this is exactly who, I think this is a wonderful representation of how we start out. This is our confused character trying to push past our amnesia to find out what it is that we've forgotten, why we're here. But we're also born to discover our identity and then take control of the story. And that right there is when the action happens. But we kind of have this misconception that holds us back, this misconception that we're only in the audience watching life while the movie stars do everything. But the truth is this, you are also on the stage. You are the star of your own story. Ever heard of a star witness? That's you. And we're told in Daniel, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars. That's us. And to play your part, you need to get your eyes off 
of everyone else's story and focus on the author and perfecter of your story. Said another way, stop staring and start starring. That's it. That's it in a nutshell, because baby, you were born to run. That's how it's supposed to be. Here's how Hebrews puts it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our story. Don't buy into the diabolical deception that the Bible is full of fantastical, faraway, and flawless people. It is not. The very real people that are starring in Scripture were handpicked to relate to you on purpose. And when you get in there and you see their stories unfold, you are meant to find your fit using their familiar faces to paint yourself into the picture. Because when we relate to it, that's when we retain it, we recall it, and then ultimately we get to be transformed by it. Because don't forget this, the core command, the principal truth of Christ is that we are supposed to become like him by loving like him, by knowing him by the stories of scripture. Which is why Jesus asked the Father to sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Which is why he tells them, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Which is why he said, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Which is why Paul reminds us all, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Because here's how it works. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. Got that? As a matter of fact, read that with me real quick. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to make us like the Son of God. Preach I'm trying. <laughs> I'm saying this is how it works. There's so, so many wonderful, simple truths that we just got to apprehend and then it just takes over and, and we start running. But before we can step into that spotlight, right, before we get to really assume that role, we've got to get a grip on where we are right now and what roles we're ready for wherever we're at. And that takes the people of God and especially the people of God in the word of God. And here's how it works. They're there to gauge your stage of spiritual growth. Each character representing a role necessary to God's script from an exodus extra to a king's king. And as you start reading those roles, some of them will stand out and clue you in to who you are and the role that you specifically were born to play. So if you've been in your Bible at all, I gotta ask you this. Who do you see yourself in in the Bible? Because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of characters, a lot of things going on there. Can you relate to anybody? Can you relate to their faults, maybe? Some flaws? Some desires? Some difficulties? Setbacks? Successes? 
compassion, sorrow, pain, joy, hopefully. Maybe you felt a little bit of a Jacob struggle in your life lately. Maybe you've had a little Joshua-style victory. Maybe you got a lot of Judas shame going on. Well, whatever it is, remember this. You've been made the co-writer of your character in this story, so you can use those clues to write your role right. There's a right way to do it. Sure, these people are thousands of years removed from you, but remember, they're examples. And what you're really relating to is your own spirit, which is your unique part that is parsed out and then pieced together using those in the stories that our creator authorized for us. That's how it works. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, says Paul. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'll tell you this, when his spirit joins the mix, we're talking piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what it does. You see, God's narratives aren't mere stories. They're mirror stories. Painfully honest (laughs) mirrors. And I love what Bruce said about scripture. He said, there's a moment when uh, when you're reading it or hearing it or sharing it and a piece from another area another part suddenly appears and connects itself to what you're reading and then you realize it's talking. It's talking to you. Not by magic, but by his word, by your faith. Because everything connects. True that. But you know what it says when it starts talking? Hey you, I know who you are. You wanna see? You know what we say? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know that I do want to see. <laughs> but listen, God's the head writer, right? God's the head writer, and he wrote his word specifically to you. So yeah, it knows us better than we do. And sorry, but just like a mirror, we are supposed to examine what it reflects in us and adjust accordingly. That's why it's there for us. And I know if you're thinking this sounds high theology or something, no, no, this is very simple. You just read a story, identify with it, and then it shows you, it reveals things about yourself. We all know how this works. Think the boy who cried wolf, the tortoise and the hare, the ant and the grasshopper, right? These are all just stories, but they all have characters that, for better or worse, reveal something about our own nature. And when that happens, that draws attention to the parts of our character that need a good rewriting, right? And that right there is why Paul can so broadly say, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, change, 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 and change in righteousness so that the servant of God, and that is your role, no matter what, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now listen, all stories, all stories, all good stories, I should say, with rich, relatable characters change us by engaging us, by casting us into the roles that we naturally connect with. So then I gotta ask this question, what's the problem? Why does it seem so hard with the Bible? 
Ant and the Grasshopper wasn't so hard. <laughs> Bible a little bit. Well, okay, don't hate the messenger, but the Bible can confuse. And an absorbing story has got to make sense. Because when we hit a snag in any story, some seeming contradiction or inconsistency, right there, that's where doubt creeps in and the story starts to lose credibility and then the power just goes out. True that. True that because we only remain invested to the degree that we can bring ourselves to believe in the plausibility of a story. And here's why. When you cast yourself into a story, you demand certain things from it. For it to absorb you, to really just like, for you to be able to get into it, it must have all of the same hallmarks of reality. Or else you'll snap back right into audience mode and lose your first person perspective, being a character in that story. Give you an example. I'll be watching something really gripping with my wife, who is a nurse, by the way. And right when the protagonist dies and we're on the edge of our seat while someone works desperately to revive them, she'll say, Look at how shallow those chest compressions are. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and snap, I'm me again. And I'm just watching a made up story instead of being transported into a real one which is what leads us to a really big problem. What do you do when the Bible appears to hit a snag? Mm. Do you snap out of it in that same way and then you call it ridiculous? Let's be honest, a lot of us have. It was a big hurdle for me. It's tricky. You see something, you say, this can't be real, it's not a true story, and you just walk away from it. I'll tell you what, it all depends on the authority that you have given to the author. And Jesus himself broke this down, broke down this whole setback of believability using Moses as an example. Because he said, if, if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Hmm. Now you see, we watch movies like The Sixth Sense or Fight Club or Inception because even when things get really weird or confusing, we know to trust that the writers are going to make sense of things. Even if it's all, you gotta sit through two hours, you know it's gonna happen. They're gonna make sense of it. Well, the same goes for God. If you trust him, have faith that he's making sense of his story and then stay absorbed by holding him to the same standard of plausible, relatable believability. And when you do that, something magical happens because what appears to be a dead end becomes the beginning of wisdom. Because every single biblical story's snag, and I'm heavy quotes around these snags, those snags are opportunities to show your heart, where your heart's at. And you can answer this question, do you need to understand before you trust the author? Or do you trust the author to make you understand. Which order does it go? Well, I'll tell you, we got a pretty good clue coming from his book. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. That's where it comes from, true that. We 
absolutely must give authority to the author first and then hear him out. That's a big problem for some of us. But that right there, that's our approach here at his place. We believe that any problem with perfection is on our end, not on God's. We believe that not only is the Bible a series of stories inside one epic arc, but that they are plausible and therefore relatable and therefore believable and therefore powerful. We believe in every sense it's true, really true. So we get a little angry sometimes. <laughs> we get a little angry when we see things like gospel harmonies trying to help us out that don't seem to care about violating the logic of a story, believing that we just need to pull the lessons out of it and then just leave it alone. But when those harmonies do things like, like put the stories in an order that has Jesus coming down a mountain before he goes up that same mountain, and they do, they kill the book's credibility and inadvertently turn truth into a mere myth. Even though we have been specifically warned by scripture, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And you know how you do that? Well, Bible know how. That's all you got to do. For we, writes Peter, did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. True. It's easy to forget that, though. It's easy to forget that when I'm trying to make sense of scriptures. So I want to, before we wrap up here, I want to revisit a previous problem to point out this profoundly powerful tool for the entire cast and crew of God's production. Story logic. The very thing that gets violated all the time when people don't care is just waiting to help us out. Because story logic is this nickname for all those things which we all demand from a true story, right? It's the rules of coherency and consistency that decide every detail's credibility and therefore guide our understanding of them. That's how it works. When this actually, this fell out when Bruce was doing his uh, series on, well, his ongoing series, part 5,000, of uh, <laughs> harmonizing the gospels. And that was just sort of one of the rules that you just kind of stumbled across is they have to work like a true story. You can't violate the logic of a story that actually happens. And I just went, that is, unimaginably profound because it actually, it contains everything. It solves everything. It's the hallmark of truth. And when we trust the author first and foremost, story logic will inevitably and ultimately force the true story out. Because this is amazing and true and painful and yet hopeful, but we have spent thousands and thousands of years arguing and debating the Bible's historical, linguistic, textual, and philosophical credibility in an attempt to authenticate the author, right? I mean, it's a lot of time, a lot of man hours have gone into that, but I want you to really hear this. Story logic transcends them all. Because textual variations, 
translation differences and all the apologetic explanations are moot when we see the coherent and consistent true story that just makes sense of all scripture because it's a true story. Because there's sim- and there's simply no need to argue about true stories. They just happened, <laughs> you know. They just we report them. We don't say, well, but you know, <laughs> when did he go up? He went up the mountain and then he came down the mountain. It's that easy. And we know them. We know true stories. We know them when we see them because every single one of us was born an expert on true stories. And you, every single one of us, you have the authority to verify them. Because all you do is write them as you live them. You are born with a nose for the plausible and a taste for the relatable and a heart for the believable. So with God's word, all you have to do is literally trust the author first and then just get into the story. And spoiler alert, I have read the script and you are the star. But don't take my word, take God's, and go learn your lines. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, guys. Father God, we just love you and we trust you as the author and perfecter of every one of our stories down here. Holy Spirit, help us to find ourselves in your word and encourage us to play our part as we step into your light. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for sharing in our experiences to make our everlasting role plausible, relatable, and believable. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.